Hi, everyone. Welcome back to For the Girls. We're so excited to recap a crazy Dutch Grand Prix with you all. What a weekend with the crowds in Zanvoort, a wet, dry, wet race. It was so exciting, just what we needed coming back from the summer break. So we will jump right into it. I'm Sarah. I'm Chessa. And I'm Tiggy. So starting with our main takeaways, what an absolutely chaotic return to racing, as Sarah said. It was just crazy up and down the board, incredible strategy, action throughout the whole race with the rain, opposite tire strategies. The pit crews, I feel like, got such a big workout today. (laughs) There were like six pit stops for every person. Um, Especially the furry guy who had to hop around (laughs) holding the inter tires. (laughs) Yep. I feel like also the pit wall strategists deserve like a spa day or something. It felt like they were just working their brains the entire time. But the vibe of the fans was just impeccable. There were over 300,000 attendees throughout the weekend. And today just waiting it out through the rain, dancing, singing, like the Marshall conga line was so cool. The mascot. (laughs) (laughs) I was joking with someone. I was like, I guess that's what the vibe is like when your driver wins every race. You're just like happy and you don't care if it's raining. You're just dancing around. So (laughs) I guess good thing for the Netherlands today. Good for them. (laughs) Speaking of which, hats off to Max for tying the consecutive win record. Props to Liam Lawson for jumping into like probably the most chaotic debut conditions you could imagine and performing pretty well considering everything. And yeah, I cannot wait to discuss all the crazy strategy and everything else. Yeah, my takeaway is all of that and more. It's like we definitely needed this in our Discord. Someone had a really hilarious um, comment that Mother Nature was like, mm, I guess silly season was kind of slow. So I'm on call now. Let's make this crazy with the rain. <laughs> and I think but between the rain – all the strategy, the tire, the pit stops, all of that, plus the Danny horror in with him breaking his wrist on, on Saturday and then Liam Lawson jumping in and all these different things came together and this is exactly what we needed for our first weekend back. Same. I absolutely love this weekend. This was kind of a dream podium for me with Max then. I'm loving Alonzo and his comeback era. Sarah, and- a dream podium is Max <laughs> winning. <Ooh>. <laughs> <laughs> Well, didn't get to the other two. Uh, Alonzo and his comeback era and then Gasly. Um, It was a great weekend. Amazing to see the fans. And as Alonzo was kind of saying in his interview, it seems like even drivers who aren't Max love the crowd and love the energy. Alonzo was kind of thanking everyone, saying how unique of an atmosphere and race it is and how he had really been hoping to podium here. Um, Really just I love a good strategy race. And I think a main takeaway for me was Max and Red Bull really had to work for it this weekend. Like we yeah. kind of saw with Lando, they have a fast car and started P2 and Lando finished in P7. So starting on pole kind of wasn't a guarantee of anything. Alonzo was really quick keeping Max working for it towards the end, as were the strategy calls. Um, I was definitely worried at some points if <laughs> Red Bull was going to make the right calls on tires when they came in on extreme wets towards the end. I was I was nervous when Max insisted on staying out an extra lap at the start. I was nervous, but everything ended up coming together. Um, just really some impressive strategy calls up and down the grid. And on the flip side, we saw with Mercedes just staying out could just be such a wrong call in a race where basically – coming in and, and opting for the wetter tire was basically the right call every single time. Yeah. And it was always a matter of like a split second decision. Like it was really quick 
And it was very like obvious when it was too late and when it was the right time. Yeah, because the lap time differentials were like 15 to 20 seconds, at least in the beginning of the race. So it was pretty crazy. It was so crazy at the start when the announcers were saying, oh, the people who stayed out on slicks are losing 20 seconds a lap and have already been lapped 10 laps into the race. It was very, very extreme. And also, I really agree with the announcers when they were saying the fact that there weren't any DNFs or any cars off in the first 10 laps is also really just a testament to the driving ability up and down the board. Like Tiggy was saying, we had new drivers, we had rookies, we had people keeping it on until i guess logan fell. but <laughs> yeah that didn't, people really that didn't end up panning out but Not until they weren't um, yeah. and it was so cool because i feel like a lot of the time in f1 when it comes to tire strategy and things like that a lot of the drivers and the teams will kind of like sit back a little bit and wait and see what up everyone else is doing and they get a little bit of wiggle room in terms of like how fast they have to make a decision but this was one of those races where it was like split session split second decision you make it or you don't and I loved watching it all. Yeah, it was funny seeing Checo being the first one both yeah. times in the wet, like going pitting first onto inners. I mean, unfortunately, he lost out on podium, but I feel like his strategist, his race engineer, they were like, they were making good calls. Yeah. Yeah, well, Max also undercut him, which was interesting, which was always going to We'll happen, talk about but- that. <laughs> <laughs> Hold your horses. The radio from Checo, did Max undercut us? And they're like, yes. <laughs> they were like, yeah, <laughs> he did. Um, okay, let's do our MVPs. I think mine's pretty obvious. It's definitely Gasly, Biggie. Gasly. Uh, everything <laughs> aligned perfectly. So many things had to happen exactly as they did for him to – get to where he did he also had an amazing drive so he fully deserved that p3 also the like raw emotion from him i thought was just so pure and i was just so happy for him i got chills hearing his radio at the end he was just so happy it was much well deserved and like long awaiting for that result yeah For me, a split between Max, no surprise there, and Albon. First for Max, already said this, but I think there are no guarantees in these sorts of conditions. I really can't imagine the pressure. Also, he's won this race two times in a row with this insane hometown support and a really, really energetic crowd for him. And then uh, having on the table, being able to tie Vettel's record, I think that's just an extremely stressful situation and having to perform under those conditions in one of the most chaotic races we've seen all season was really impressive. Also, Albon has just really shown all season that he's getting the most out of that car, getting the most out of the straight line speed. And even though he ended up a little bit lower down in the points in P8, he was maximizing potential all weekend. And I think everyone was super impressed with his performance. Yeah, I agree with all the above. Uh, There were a lot of options, I feel like, this race, but I'm going to give it to Liam Lawson. I think from to go from waking up on Friday thinking you're going to have a chill weekend in the Netherlands (laughs) on like a beach town and just like kind of be on, you know, on vacation mode to whatever extent a reserve driver is on vacation mode to like being on inters for the first time ever in quali, which is crazy. Then to navigating the absolute chaos that was this race for his debut. I thought it was just truly impressive for him to get P13 finish ahead of Yuki. Like, yes, there was definitely some luck involved there, but to not put it in the wall (laughs) during this race as a reserve driver who doesn't have F1 experience, I thought was really impressive. Yeah, it's like trial by fire, like textbook. 
like crazy could not have been any harder um okay and lvps guys mine is ferrari though like i'm just forgetting (laughs) the tires but then it was like oh ferrari forgot the tires and it's been kind of a while since they did that and then they replayed it and it's like literally the tires come off and then there's no tires and then people start to like (laughs) run out of the garage like holding them above their heads so bad yeah it was uh, and it was it was pouring rain (laughs) very obvious even if you're just listening to the main commentary that everyone's gonna pit lap one for enters so at least have them kind of towards the front of the garage i don't know (laughs) be looking at the radar just in case like (laughs) it's coming i'm gonna give mine to logan Sargent. i feel bad doing that because he had obviously his first time getting into quali or sorry into q3 for quali but then also putting it into the wall in q3 and then putting it into the wall for the race. I, I, I don't know. I feel bad giving him LVP because I really do think he has a lot of potential and I want him to keep that seat, but it's just, something's got to give, you know, I I think he was like really disappointed in himself sitting on that beach chair today. Yeah. For me, the wall that broke Danny's hand, I'm very upset about this as (laughs) Tiggy and Chessa both know, I think it's just such a tough break for him. And even as kind of bullish as I had been on his prospects of either getting a full-time race seat for next year or getting a Red Bull seat if Checo was really underperforming, I think either of those chances have gone down dramatically, especially the Red Bull seat, but maybe even keeping a seat because realistically, even if he has a Lance-style comeback with this amazing doctor in Spain that's able to just get people back into racing form, I think even still with a severe break that I don't, or I guess we don't know how severe it is, but with a break that required surgery and metal and his hand, even if he comes back, say late September, um, I think even still, then he's really only going to have a couple races to show teams and show the Red Bull organization what he's capable of, which will really leave no room for error. And he's going to be trying to recover from a broken hand. So I'm just so, so bummed about this still. I feel horrible for him. Yeah, that's so brutal, like a few races into his return. I, yeah, I don't know. I think it depends. If Liam Lawson's filling in for him until Singapore, I guess at the earliest is probably that's when he would come back. Maybe it depends on how Liam Lawson does. But I do feel like Danny is in a decent position if he does come back and, like, you know, performs decently well to get that AlphaTauri seat. I think I'm one of the ones who never thought he was in contention for the 2024 Red Bull seat, so I don't feel like much is lost there. But I still feel like if Danny can come back in time, have a few good races under his belt, he'll keep that AlphaTauri seat unless Liam Lawson just does something incredible. Which would be cool too. Yeah, exactly. Give it to whoever deserves it, you know? Mm-hmm. Name of the game. All right, hot takes. How did everyone's hot takes hold up? <sighs> yeah. Retweet. <laughs> uh, retweet. I also had retweet. both <laughs> first 80s. Oh, no. In the top five, so I will exit stage right quickly. But <laughs> <laughs> they did both have a decent recovery drive, though. Sad for Russell at the end there. But yeah, that was honestly strategy. It was pretty, pretty tough all around. Well, I feel yeah, like Toto kind of dragged them at, after, which was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. They were both complaining on the radio, like the whole thing. I had a non Red Bull winning. What, what was I thinking? And then. I had McLaren on podium, so that didn't work out for me either. So L's all around for me. Yeah, those are both those are both tough. Mine is equally as tough. I had Ferrari <laughs> on podium. Also, what was I doing? 
<laughs> I don't know. Charles had <laughs> Charles had had that spa podium. I don't know. Was was feeling good, <laughs> and things just really, really deteriorated. Charles retired with damage. Carlos, <laughs> he was he was doing well. He was fighting up there. He had some great defense against Hamilton at the end, but definitely not no, no one in podium contention. <laughs> All right for practice. FP1, some quick highlights. We had Max Alonso, Hamilton, top three. Stroll had a power unit issue, so only got two laps in. Hulkenberg caused a red flag through the gravel. Uh, probably the main interesting thing was Robert Schwartzman in the Ferrari in Carlos's place, but nothing too uh, crazy to write home about there. FB2 was really the practice highlight slash low light, however you want to look at it. It was so low sad. <laughs> the scene of the Daniel Ricardo broken hand crime. So what happened was Piastri went into the barriers and then in quick succession, Danny went off at the same turn. And in trying to avoid Piastri, he apparently didn't have enough time to take his hands off the wheel for impact and caused him to break a bone in his hand. So he was taken to the hospital immediately. And then after the diagnosis, he was back in the paddock in a cast, and it was announced just right away that Liam Lawson, the Red Bull reserve driver, would be replacing him for the weekend. So like we already talked about, we'll see what, what happens when he returns, what that means for his future. But glad he's on the Operation Stroll recovery plan. Yeah, also just on kind of a spiritual level, it's so hard that Piastri was involved in the incident, even though I don't think... It, it, at best, it's a, it's a racing, racing incident. incident. It's not like, yeah, it just someone has a bit of an off during practice. Another driver can't avoid them, has to take evasive action. It's just really horrible luck. And we were talking about it. It almost seems like a freak accident in a way because we see, have seen some heavy, heavy impacts this season and last season, and we have not seen any broken hands. Um, I don't think in in years from from this type of situation of not being able to take your hands off the wheel. So really just horrible luck. And uh, I I was proud of him for being such, such a good sport, so positive in his recovery post, but still horrible luck all around. Yeah, if anyone can spin this, it's him. So I guess we'll have to give him that. Let's jump into quali. So Q1 started, everyone started on inters. It was a very wet and rainy quali. <clears throat> Sarah, cover your ears. Max was being a little bit whiny on the radio. Uh, no grip, slipping everywhere. And he said, quote, mate, WTF is wrong with the car. Uh, over the session, though, the track did dry out. Tire temps started to heat up. Lando and Piastri and the McLarens were looking very, very good. We loved hearing Bernie's commentary during Q1, but also throughout the whole weekend. She as was usual. on fire this weekend. She was, she was so good. It. Especially during the red flag, like when you're trying to find things to talk about during the race <laughs> today, she was crushing it. Um, for Q1, there was a little signs Piastri scuffle. Signs was pulling out of the pit lane, almost ran into Piastri. I think he got um, a, pe- a penalty for that. Charles barely made it through. He went off at his engineer. Hamilton was complaining about impeding. Uh, so lots of drama on the radio. But in the end, we had Joe, Akon, K-Mang, Botas, and Lawson out, and he was over a second behind Botas. Yeah, that was pretty tough. But to be fair, it was his first time ever on an inter tire. So that's crazy. <laughs> that's pretty wild. Yeah. I will forgive you, Chester, for saying Max was warning on the radio if we talk about the fact that, as we will, basically everyone was yelling at the radio. That's true. 100%. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty 
it was pretty wild. Very few engineers made it through the weekend unscathed. <laughs> the Ocon uh, race engineer oh, uh, no. interaction during the red flag. I was just like gritting my teeth the entire awkward. time. Yeah. So awkward. <laughs> and Charles too. I think Charles is 100% justified in getting frustrated. I, I was just more as a note of how much they're struggling with the basics over there is the fact that he did he get to yell at his engineer after almost not making it through q1 to say things like dude your most important job is looking out at traffic so please do that <laughs> please do your job <sighs> uh, also signs when he was uh defending from hamilton screaming at his race engineer less radio <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny He's like in the midst of a tough we all know battle. And I know. He's like, hello, four laps left. <laughs> he's like, less radios, shut up. <laughs> For Q2, everyone was all still on inters, but the track was drying really quickly. So it was all about finding the dry line. Albon was looking super fast here. Sargent made it into Q3. Williams was looking awesome. Just amazing straight line speed. It was Sargent's first time in his career in Q3 and the first American to get to Q3 since Andretti in the 90s. That was incredible. Out, we had Stroll, Gasly, Hamilton, Yuki, and Hulkenberg. Hamilton, unfortunately, pushed a bit too early. Then he was impeded by Yuki, who got a penalty in a three-place grid drop. He went from starting 14th to 17th. Hamilton was having really bad luck with the impeding situations during quali. Yeah, that was really brutal. For Q3, as we said, sadly, the sergeant excitement for Q3 was short-lived when he crashed at turn two, brought out a red flag with eight minutes left to go. Then there was another red flag due to Charles going into the barriers with four minutes to go. So the starting order we had was Verstappen, Norris, Russell, Albon, Alonso, Sainz, Checo, Piastri, Leclerc, and Sargent, which it was George's best quality performance since Australia, which is crazy. So he started P3, P4 for Albon was obviously huge. And for Max, just records on records, three poles at Zanfort in a row. And the gap between him and Checo was kind of yikes. It was over a second. So it was pretty, pretty brutal. Um, and then K-Mag uh, started from the pit lane due to power unit changes. So he was already starting back pretty far. But just yeah, add insult to injury, I guess. Before we jump into the start of the race, um, which just is relevant to the start of the race, there was like a F1 vlog behind the scenes that I think like Max was behind the camera and had the camera up in Lando's <laughs> face. Did you guys see this? And Max yes. was like, how are you feeling? And Lando's like, it's going to be great. Like, I'm going to beat you right off the start. Like, it's just so fun how they goof around. Um, they both did have a great start. Max did pull ahead of Lando. And then Alonso also had a great start. He passed George basically in like the first turn or two, and then he made up his two places very, very quickly. I think the big thing that we're talking about here for the start of the race was just the absolute chaos because what was going to be a light sprinkling of rain turned out to be a very, very heavy rain dump. It started right after the start. So Checo, Charles, Gasly were the first to pit for Inters on lap two. Like we said, Ferrari was not ready for Charles. They were like sprinting, (laughs) like running over each other to get the tires. So that was pretty chaotic, just trying to decide who was going to get inters and who didn't. There was just different strategies all the way up and down the grid. But in the end, the drivers who didn't come in, like Hamilton, for example, were complaining because the inters were making up like almost 20 seconds on the cars who were still on slicks. Like Checo, I think, made up 15 on the top drivers who had stayed out on slicks as the first, he was the first one to pit. And then he was leading the race with like three laps in, already 14 seconds ahead of Max, who was a little on the back foot coming in for inters. 
Yeah, and Joe was running higher than he'd ever run before at second for multiple laps and in P3 for a bit, which was super exciting. The order was already so scrambled and insane crazy. through these first couple laps. The announcers were all laughing. Even talking about the fact that Lando started P2 feels so quaint based on how <laughs> how quickly everything just really got shaken up. Max started making up multiple seconds per lap on Checo. He had stayed out until the second lap and then pitted. And even just staying out one lap more made a huge difference in time. But naturally, Max started quickly making up ground for on Checo. Piastri set the fastest lap on lap 11 while on softs. That was kind of the first indication of the softer tire starting to get quick again and everyone starting to switch. So Hamilton was the first in the pit lane to switch from inners to softs. Then others followed suit quite quickly. Then the next kind of big incident was the lap 16 safety car that resulted from Logan crashing, which was a bummer. And then obviously the last part of the race with the crazy heavy rain that started at lap 61, it was pouring. So we'll just go through some of those highlights before we go by team. So Checo, again, the first one to pit for inners there. And then basically everybody followed suit except for Max, Alonso, Albon, and Ocon, who came in on the next lap. And Max, at this point, he had wanted to stay out. And his race engineer, GP, over the radio was like, this would be a very good time to pit. <laughs> and so he did come in. But they were all on inters except for Ocon, who got put on wets. And he on the radio was like, this was the worst decision, guys. But they ended up being right. And it would have paid off if there hadn't been the red flag. So that's the scene of like Ocon and his race engineer during the red flag kind of going after each other. Um, but then this is just such <laughs> a good example of how sometimes when drivers really go off with their engineers, it is true that the engineers just have the full pit while they have way more yeah. information. A lot of the times they are making the right call and the drivers don't understand the full circumstances. It was monsooning. And <laughs> as as people watching and seeing everyone not being able to stay on track, even on enters and the announcer is saying, oh, it's about to be red flag. There's so much rain. And Ocon's like, how dare you put me on the whole <laughs> And then obviously the wets were totally the right call. We start seeing chaos, like multiple people going off at turn one. Checo lost P2 at turn one when he locked up, went off, hit the barrier. Joe also went into the barriers and had to DNF. Hamilton went into the gravel but was able to recover. So it was just, it was crazy. I could not. And Joe had a pretty heavy impact too. So good thing that he was okay. He said yeah. after in in the interview that it was a quite high G impact, but he was okay. Yeah, it was just chaos up and down. I definitely could not look away. Then we had our our big red flag, and it was a long waiting period before the restart on lap um, sixty five out of seventy two. So it's like always that that red flag at the end of the race, like you have less laps to go and then it's always very long but they kind of like got everyone back into good order so the top 10 restarting order here was max alonso checo gasly carlos lewis lando george alban and piastri for the restart here the inters were obligatory mandatory and they did a rolling start from the pits it right at the beginning we saw an amazing pass from russell over norris and then they ended up having some contact so George got a puncture. He had to retire, which was sad. And then Checo had a five-second time penalty for speeding in the pit lane. So all eyes were on who could get within those five seconds at the finish. And that's what ended up giving um, Gasly his his P3. So in the end, we had Max Alonso, Gasly, Checo, Carlos, Luis Lando, Albon, Oscar, and Ocon. 
What a crazy race. So what a crazy race. Going by team, starting with Red Bull, as we said, Max officially ties the Vettel and Alberto Ascari record of nine consecutive wins. So awesome to see him do that at home. Granny Verstappen was in attendance. So that was iconic. She looks good. <laughs> I know. She, she does look very on. good. <laughs> I know. And I I liked what you said, Sarah, that like it was fun to see Red Bull have to work for it, but obviously they performed flawlessly on strategy if there was ever any doubt, but it's like nice to see instances where they're tested on that and we're reminded of the greatness. (laughs) We already weren't every weekend, but you know. Um, And Steve Carell was in the garage. Yes, that was awesome. I'm glad there was good energy for Max tying this record. (laughs) Yeah. So like we said, Checo, he had some pretty good strategy, probably the best at the beginning when he went to pit first, undercut by Max when it was time to pit for slicks. He ended up with the five second penalty that knocked him off podium. So some bad luck there. But as we said, the undercut radio was pretty funny. So the call was apparently made by the team from their perspective to cover off Alonzo. But even the announcers were funny. They were totally skeptical about that. They were like, yeah, I mean, I don't think that's really that wasn't really an issue. (laughs) Yeah, I think even if – I think the reality is is that when you have one driver who's trying to tie a really huge record who's also way faster than the other driver, like, sorry, they're going to get priority to get slicks first. Totally. And I think think Checo was kind of like – when they were like, yeah, he did undercut you, Checo was like, okay. I mean, obviously he was upset, (laughs) but it's kind of – yeah, you don't have that much legs to stand on anymore, my friend. (laughs) For Ferrari, as we've discussed at length, the first Charles pit stop was just so classic, didn't have the tires ready. They then had another slow stop later in the race. The engineer was almost doing those high knee little jogs, having to kind of jump around (laughs) the front wing, holding the inter tire. Just disastrous stuff. They were also really struggling on pace. Charles had floor damage, so he really just had a hugely compromised aero situation. He had to retire on lap 41 due to damage the carlos hamilton battle after the last safety car restart was such a treat it was really great i was surprised carlos hung on he did an amazing job hung on to p5 wasn't enough to get within five seconds of checo for the podium but did an awesome job and that was of course when science was in the heat of battle with hamilton and his engineer said (laughs) four laps left and carlos just yelled at him which was very funny and like read the room i don't think he needs to know that there's four laps yeah right now read the room my heart was in my throat for this part like i am obviously a hamilton fan so i was really hoping that hamilton would pass him but i was proud of carlos for for that defense i thought that was pretty incredible it was fun to watch. So for Mercedes, they definitely struggled on the strategy this race. I think both drivers were upset at different points. George especially said, quote, I was forecast for a podium today. Sidebar. Okay. I think everyone wants to be forecast for a podium. Well, he started He started on in the, in the top three. He started P3. And then he said, bleep, how did we mess this up? And that was while running P18 by lap 15. So that was a bummer for him. And most of the race – I like George, but this radio just really rubbed me the wrong way. I get being frustrated, but sometimes it feels like – again, like the Ocon thing, sometimes it feels like it's very obvious when something has gone wrong. Maybe discuss with the team later. What are they going to fix by you being like, oh, you guys suck. I'm supposed to be on podium. (laughs) I have sympathy for him on this one. Like starting P3 and being down in P18, I definitely 
I don't know. I think this there are a lot worse radios out there than this one. True. We'd all be bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like despite, you know, they were driving outside of the points, somehow they managed to recover what would have been a double points finish without the the Georgia's puncture caused by that collision with Lando that caused him to DNF. Like I think they actually recovered pretty well. Hamilton started P13, finished P6 in a roller coaster of a race, so that paid off for him as well. For Alpine, Pierre's first podium of the season, Gasly. (laughs) (laughs) They really needed this one. Wow. And like we were saying, the emotion from him was just so raw and real. It was only his fourth podium ever. And Mm -hmm. it means a lot to him. Like reading, going back and reading the Antoine Hubert kind of um, testimonial that he had written and just like, I don't know, I, I just feel like he really takes these he doesn't take these for granted he really like feels it and appreciates it and so I thought that was awesome for him and they did a really good job on strategy Ocon also finished in the points at P10 so that was a big relief for the team meanwhile Otmar just like posting selfies still coming in hot with his cars his sexy (laughs) little Ford sports car good stuff so funny but the Alpine needed that I'm happy for them so happy for them. That was an awesome surprise podium from a chaotic race for McLaren. Double points finish P7 and P9. Real roller coaster of a race for them. Some bright spots, like really good pace on the mediums, but overall they were a bit of a victim of the chaos. Lando, especially after starting on the front row, Piastri had some amazing overtakes though. He was driving so well, like Botas Leclerc, doing some aggressive offline moves, driving so well. Really a bummer for Lando, but the good news is that the pace and quality is looking really strong and consistent. So very excited for Monza and seeing what they can do in a bit less of a chaotic, rainy environment, hopefully. Yes. For Alfa Romeo, Joe had some bright moments early in the race. He had a good strategy and was running in P2 for more than I would have expected. But it was not to be, sadly. The rain started pouring. He lost it. He actually ended up losing it and DNFing after hitting the barriers. So that was tough for him. For Aston Martin, I think Alonso was looking like in such good position. They did mess up his pit stop on lap 50, so it could have potentially cost him podium, but Alonso always pulls it out of the bag, came back, got P2, fastest lap, driver of the day, epic. Um, One thing I wanted to talk to you guys was one, well, his return to podium. I think we're all pretty happy about that too, but let's talk about Stroll's future and the tennis rumors and such. I'm so curious about these tennis rumors. Like, how does one just jump into a professional tennis playing role? I, it's That's not a sport, I feel like, that you can just <laughs> do that. So that's kind of interesting to me. One thing, I can't remember if I said this, Sarah, to you or to Chessa, but or maybe I just texted it to you both that like maybe this is covering – this is like preempting his retirement or his firing from the team is just like starting these rumors that he's going to tennis and then it, it helps soften the blow <laughs> when he leaves. But I don't know. Yeah, such varying fates here, which is very interesting. I love this Alonzo comeback era. I loved his speech being on podium. He was just so genuinely happy, so thankful to the crowd. He was making cheeky little jokes about how maybe he would have tried to make a move on Max, but he wouldn't have made it out of the circuit if he had done so. (laughs) So I was very happy for him. Yeah, for Stroll, I think we would be much more seriously right now discussing his seat and potential replacements for next year if it wasn't for the fact, of course, that his dad runs the team. But it's just another example of, yeah, finishing P11 in a really 
unremarkable race when your teammate is up at the top, kind of really putting Max through his paces is pretty wild. And it's been a stark difference all season, but days like today just underscore that. Agreed. Alpha Tauri. So Liam Lawson, as we know, uh, subbed in for Daniel Ricardo in his broken hand. He, during the race, got a 10-second time penalty for impeding in the pit lane in the first six laps. But one of the highlights for me of his race was seeing him overtake Charles on lap 41. Charles yeah. ended up passing him back with DRS, but that was a big moment. That was not an easy move, and I thought that was pretty cool. So He must have felt a little starstruck. I mean, maybe I mean, maybe not must have, but if I were him, I would have felt a little starstruck passing him. Like, damn, I just did that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it just got, got right redone back. back on me, but <laughs> it's still cool. <laughs> For the rest of the AlphaTauri team, uh, Yuki did did pretty well throughout the race. He had some good defending, so it was nice to see him continue to be pretty consistent. For Haas, I think they got the strategy right for K-Mag in the beginning of the race. He was P20. And then by lap 15 was running in P7 because they pitted at the exact right time, both for the inters and then for the slicks. Another thing to talk about here is they have re-signed both of these drivers. I think a lot of people are saying this was like a safe move from Gunther and the team to re-sign both of them. But I think it was the right move. I don't think Haas is any or is in any position to be gambling on any kinds of rookies at the moment. What do you guys think? I agree. I think... Hulkenberg especially has impressed me more this season. He's been right up there with K-Mag and doing pretty well. So I think better. Yeah, better at a lot of points. I think I think this is a good move from them, to be honest. And I don't really know who else it would have been. So I think this is this is a good move for them. For Williams. So as we said, Logan went into the barriers, brought out that safety car, which was rough after the Q3 uh, wonder story. But the star of Williams was Albon. It was just so yeah. great to see him up there battling in the points, holding his own. So I guess it's this is another team with questions, both Logan and Albon's futures kind of potentially taking different paths. But like, do we think Logan's keeping his seat? And do we think Albon might be picked up by another team sooner than the 2025 season? I think when we were talking about contract stuff pre-silly season we were like Albon's gonna be like the hottest ticket for the 2025 season but do we think that could be fast forwarded a year early I don't think it could be fast forwarded because I actually can't think off the top of my head right now a team that Albon could go to that's like realistic and better than Williams like I don't think he's gonna be going to like Alpha Tauri or anything worse but or Haas so I um, I think he'll probably stay I think Logan is going to need some more time, but I feel like they're probably waiting to see how he does at Austin or some of the U.S. races to see what his compatibility is with the U.S. fans and see if that's kind of like a value add. <laughs> at the moment. Yeah, I guess he already had Miami for that, but yeah, it'll be the, that's good. Those are going to be two big weekends for him. I think I I really feel like Logan has potential. I think you know he yeah. is a rookie, and Williams is a relatively rookie friendly team. I think James Vallis has already made some comments about uh, you know like giving rookies their time to grow and their time to develop. And I, I do think on balance that Logan will probably keep his seat, but I think so too. I think we have a lot left to see of him. Yeah, it is tough though. I think he does have to perform to make sure that that's the case. 
for some news and headlines. On Thursday, we're back in the Masa drama. He said he would fight to the end to win back the 2008 World Championship from Lewis. And he said, it's a matter of justice, not money. Lewis (laughs) responded by saying, I'm not really focused on what happened 15 years ago, which is a great response and such a Lewis response. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) To get people caught up on some of the rumors that Max has been having with his alleged legal woes, if people didn't already hear about this, a video surfaced later last week or earlier last week of of him driving an Aston Martin sports car one-handed in Monaco, and I think he was a little bit over the speed limit, like 20 miles over the speed limit. So, so people kind of were like speculating and then the saying that sources suggest that he could face prosecution for reckless driving. Fans then can – like they all lost. They're like, is he going to have to break out of jail to win the Dutch GP? I think this is all just a little bit of blowing smoke and I think everything will be fine. But – People were bored enough that it definitely made some headlines last week. People go crazy when they're in F1 rumor media when there isn't actual news to discuss. Like yeah, next yeah. it's going to be Italian media is reporting. Max is going to Ferrari. <laughs> For Radio of the Week, we could not do anything other than Gasly. What a race. What a race. Ay, ay, ay. It was so cute. <laughs> And for standings, before we jump into a quick Italian Grand Prix preview, so for Drivers' Championship, we have Max Verstappen at 339, Checo at 201, Alonso 168, Hamilton 156, Carlos 102, Charles and George tied with 99, and Lando at 75. For Constructors, we have Red Bull at a whopping 540, Mercedes at 255, which looks so small (laughs) compared to that number. (laughs) Aston Martin, 215, Ferrari, 201, McLaren, 111, and Alpine, 73. You know what we love about our Tacova's cowboy boots? You can wear them all year round and for literally any occasion. Of course, you can wear them at the rodeo or at the ranch, but since we're in New York City, we've been getting creative. I even wore mine with a polka dot dress and tights to Sarah's birthday party at a fun, trendy bar in New York City. Tacova's is Western to their core, and they believe in Western for all, handmaking their boots from the most premium leathers. And if you can't make it to a store, visit tacovas.com. that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com, and point your toes west. And as a special bonus for you, Tacovas is throwing in a free trucker hat or ball cap worth $30 for all online orders over $100. Just use code F1 at checkout. Again, for a limited time, just enter code F1 at checkout to add a free logo hat to your order as a one-time gift from Tacovas. only at Tacovas.com. For our Italian Grand Prix preview, we're so excited. We love this track. Welcome to one of the fastest and most historic tracks on calendar. Since the modern era of F1, Monza has hosted more races than any other circuit. The Italian and British Grand Prix are the only races that have appeared in every single F1 season. Monza is often referred to as the Temple of Speed. Drivers can reach up to 350 kilometers per hour on the straights. And because of the high speeds, it's also one of the quickest races, usually taking only about an hour and 15 minutes. And, of course, it is famous for the Tifosi going really (laughs) crazy here. Let's go. The Ferrari home race, baby. So the circuit is just under 6 kilometers at 5.8. It's 53 laps. There's two DRS zones. The lap record here is still held by Rubens Barrichello from 2004. Wow. Lewis holds the record for fastest lap, but that was during quali, so not the race. Like we said, very fast, long straights, very high speeds. There's a high-speed term called 
term. <laughs> There's a high-speed turn called Curva Grande. comes right after the flat, straight out of the Retifilio Tribune. So there'll be some fun action there. Look out for that. Just for some quick history, so built in 1922 in only 110 days, it was financed by the Milan Automobile Club, only the third purpose-built motor racing circuit in the world at the time it was built. So, And also what's cool, I think, besides some chicanes being added, the track really hasn't seen many changes, so it's pretty true to its original form. And due to the high speeds, the track has seen, unfortunately, a lot of fatalities, especially in the early years. There were 52 drivers and 35 spectators that have been killed. So there have been some modifications over the years to improve this, but it's still, I think, similar to Spa, criticized as unsafe for the lack of runoff areas and other things and just the speed. But in terms of some maybe other brighter history, I guess this actually isn't that bright. The last Italian to win there... (laughs) Home Grand Prix was in 1966, so it's been a while. (laughs) Andretti won in 1977. He was born in Italy, but he competed for the U.S., so sad. But some bright things. Vettel won his first ever race here in 2008, and Gasly also had his maiden win here in 2020. Ooh, Gasly for P1 next weekend. That would be fun. (laughs) That would be awesome. For last year's race, Max won his first Italian Grand Prix here last year behind the safety car after starting P7. Wasn't the most exciting race overall, especially compared to some of the 2018 through 2021 Monza races, but some highlights. Signs drove from P18 to P4. It was also one of those races where he was calling his own strategy. Lewis drove from P19 to P5, and this was also the famous DeVries debut drive where he scored points in the Williams standing in for Albon when he had appendicitis. Sad to look back at now, but that was a really kind of pivotal <laughs> moment in the driver market last year. This was also the race with Lando's radio. No comps, please. I'm busy. <laughs> which Less radio. <laughs> which was our radio of the week. And the race ended under the safety car, which was controversial. Even Red Bull, who won the race, said they did not want to have to win it under a safety car. So quick team highlights here. Of course, Max has the opportunity to beat his own consecutive win record now with 10. So all signs are pointing to that happening. For Ferrari, they will not be bringing upgrades. They kind of said, you know, Zandvor and then Monza. They're both so different. So we're going to wait until after that weekend to bring upgrades. And then for Mercedes, they definitely need to come back here. Both drivers thought they had an extremely quick car in Zandvoort, but then they just made some strategy errors. But if the car is as quick as they think, hopefully it will do well at Monza. For Alpine, we definitely want to see them do well and continue the momentum here. For McLaren, this is the site of the famed McLaren Ricardo Lando 1-2 in 2021. So expect big things, hopefully, from Lando here. And this is also the track where Zach Brown and Danny have the matching tattoo. So icons only. Um, Alfa Romeo, big upgrades coming this weekend. They are two points behind Haas, and they're vying to lock in eighth. So hopefully some better performance from them. For Alpha Tauri, we expect Liam will still be in the seat. It seems like the consensus is that Singapore is realistically the earliest Danny could come back, which is not until the weekend of September 17th. So we're excited to see what Liam can do. For Aston Martin, both cars DNF'd here last year with technical problems. So anything will really be an improvement. We'll really be keeping an eye here on the differential between Lance and Alonso. 
for Williams, they could be looking really strong here with their straight line speed. So also very excited for that. How about some hot takes and predictions? For me, I'm going to say this is these are hot. <laughs> I'm going to say a Logan top 10 finish. So he's going to finish in the points. And if Liam races again, I'm also going to go very hot and say that he'll finish in the points too. And I know this is like double spicy, but I feel like there's something about drivers who have a lot to prove where they can maybe just pull it out of the bag. Ugh, I hope Debris so. style last year. <laughs> those are scorching hot, Tiggy, but I will fully support you as always in both of those. Um, I'm going to be really boring here, but I just need to give Ferrari a bone and like let's get them to podium at their home race and have maybe like one of them win. It would be really nice. <laughs> I'm going to go with McLaren on podium. I think – the straight line speed that we've been seeing from them. Hopefully they can unleash that at the temple of speed, really go with a low downforce setup. Hopefully they've figured out some of the issues they were having with their rear wing in a low downforce setup and really just be flying and not a hot take, but I hope Max breaks the record. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) On that note, Sarah felt like Sarah, you, it's just I have to say it was like okay. Let me just see if I th- can throw this in, and they just going to slide that in. We're always listening. <laughs> With that, we will talk to you all on the other side of Monza. Mm-hmm. 